Hello there. It's the Studio 6201 Podcast. I'm Chris Coppin. And I'm Daryl Coster. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Just coming back from the dead, apparently. Oh, man. We're going to get into this. You have yeah. brushed up against the, the thing of our times. Yep, exactly. Wowzer, wowzer, wowzer. It's an interesting week. <laughs> it has been interesting week. The good news is we get to talk about it. Yeah. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. Uh, number five of the Studio 6201 Podcast. Yeah, Yay. a little bit late, but it's better than late than never. You know what? We're going to get into this in a second. Yeah. Uh, as always, our conversations are aided by a wonderful beverage that usually comes from your personal stock, sir. Yeah. No, it, same thing today. Yeah, and this is this is a beautiful beverage too. This is not a whiskey. We're actually doing a mm. vodka tonight. We're doing vodka. Uh, from Lane Wayne Distil- Distillers Vodka right. Twelve. Right. And it's made with maple sap. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you're educating me because vodka, Caesar, you know, other things. But like this, it's wonderful. Yeah, most people do. They'll mix their vodka. It's a mixing drink. It's a neutral spirit that shouldn't have any, usually doesn't have any flavor. And this one does. And it's a, it's a good sipping yeah. vodka. You put a little bit of water in there, maybe a, a squeeze of lemon juice. There you go. Flavors. And uh, this uh, this Laneway Distillers has a great story we're going to tell a bit later on, but uh, that makes this even more enjoyable. Yeah, it is a great story. So, so I can't wait to get into that. So uh, first of all, before we get going, some cheers. Yes. Uh, I'll I'll go first. Uh, first of all, here's some cheers because I smell spring. I uh, love the smell of spring. The first rainfall oh, when it hits that cement and you get that right. oh the nitrogen coming exactly. up so lovely. Don't overthink it, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the smell of that. I know. Right? I, I love the smell too. of that first rain on a a warm day. Yeah, exactly. It makes me happy. And another thing I'm thankful for that you're going to get into too is uh, I know that uh, we're going to talk about what your family went through, but you know uh, you made a decision that I re- appreciated last week, saying not going to endanger your family with this. Let's put this off for a week, and I appreciate that about you. Thinking about that. So cheers to you too, my friend. Thank you. I, I would never put anybody in harm's way. And I'm thankful if my family's finally better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and my daughter were the ones that were sick. And it's it's fearful. It's We've been, a lot of people have gone through this. A lot of people in North America, in the world have gone through this. And we just happened to be this last week. And they're all better now. Everything's good. Uh, right now, there isn't any long-term ramifications. But we're always worried about long COVID. As we all know, yeah. it's coming and going. Well, we're, we're getting these scenarios where it's almost like it's your turn, right? Yeah. There's so much of it. But it's funny, you know, because I know for a fact that you've worked very hard. You diligently put in processes to prevent this. And the folks in your family did the same thing. But, you know, yeah. you're going through life and smack. We're, we're really very cautious about this. And it was March break. Uh, my daughter had to get, uh, is trying to get her instructor's license for swimming. She's a certified lifeguard. She needs to get her instructor's license to be able to work at the city and stuff this year. Um, and so she was at a pool and all we can think of is maybe one of the kids had yeah. it there. She's teaching a whole bunch of six year olds. Yep. Living her life, know, doing yep, her thing. Doing her thing. And there it is. She came home on the Sunday night and she's like, I just don't feel well. We're like COVID test right now. Yeah. And she walked away. She took, did the test. She walked away and my wife came downstairs. Uh, Beth came downstairs and right. looked at it and went, whose test is this? It's positive. Oh. And the whole house just stopped. Because we've probably done a hundred tests over the last six months. Oh man! And there's been no positives. And did you like? Did you feel like? I remember the very first time my my kids got head lice at school. I felt like the worst parent in the world. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, oh no! I came to find out it happens a lot. But did you feel like that? Uh, oh, I did. I, I felt COVID. I felt horrible, and I I felt horrible for my daughter because she's 15. She hasn't doesn't have a lot of life experience as per se. And exactly. this one was one of those ones where we've been the whole world's been so fearful of it and we've put a lot of fear behind it and, and it's the right thing we should yep. have done. Yep. Um, and you can see the look on her face of what now? Yeah. And that was the hard part to deal with as a parent is yeah. looking at my 15 year old daughter and going, Oh no. Yeah. But there's lessons in this, right? Yes. I mean, there, this is, we've been, not been confronted with situations where we've got to use our brain and be strategic in a, in a couple of generations really. So, I mean, it's, I know it's a huge pain in the butt, but I do think there's some good that's going to come out of this in terms of process and how we do things. Yeah, I think the bad's happened, and I think there's going to be some possibly more bad. Um, yeah. But frankly, we're learning a lot. Yeah. Uh, we're learning a lot about how we deal with things. It really is a study in human psychology. Yeah, it um, really is. How we do things. On so many levels. Yeah, and it's, you know, I have people ask me all the time, do you think this would change if this happened? And I'm like, no. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, I, I kind of had a feeling that humans would have done this differently, but we didn't. We didn't. You know. <laughs> we were worse than it's, I thought we were going to be. 
It's so it's so wonderful that you're hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> you have such faith in Gotta humanity. Keep my spirits up. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, uh, kudos to you uh, for uh, you know getting your family through that. Your whole bunch of you. And again, thinking of my family, right? Because yeah. that's what you got to do right now. You got to just be a little outside yourself these days. Uh, empathy, right? Just empathy for your fellow human being. Exactly. And and the, the the thing that it taught me last week was we've been fairly lucky at home. We've been able to get out, do things, walk around. Like I've, I had my work, my wife had her work. We live in a big house. Last week we didn't have that luxury, which we've had for two years. And all I could think about was all those people that were locked in their houses for two years. My I can't even, I have, I feel so terrible for them. Right. Like it couldn't have been a fun situation. We were in different, we have enough rooms that we can be in different rooms in a whole house. But even at that, it was kind of like, I need to go out. I need to do something. Yeah, exactly. We couldn't. Now, you also had the fantastic distraction to this wonderful, wonderful bottle of gold oh, yeah. in front of me because you went full on maple syrup this year, didn't you? Yeah, this is the first year I've ever it's done this. Beautiful. This is this has been uh I love playing oh, with food. My, it's my very good favorite at it. thing in the world. It, and I'm uh, I'm not bad at it. And this year we tapped uh we had 12 taps in five trees. Yeah. Our trees are big and they're old. Yeah. And we got a lot of maple oh. syrup out of those. We got six liters out of the five, six liters of finished maple syrup, which yeah. is around, you're looking at around four, almost 400 liters, probably 350 to 400 liters of sap. Nice. Where I go out and some yeah. days we get a, an inch in a pot yeah. and on one tree and the next day I'd go out and it, it would be overflowing. Oh. <laughs> and it takes forever and we did it inside the house and our house smelled like maple syrup for the oh. entire week. There's and all you, kinds of winning around here in this Yeah, one. well, if you, when you come to the house this summer and we do uh, one of the podcasts in the backyard, yeah. I'll show you that I have f- four different uh, batches. And you can see it goes from a really light gold really? all the way through to really dark. And you can oh. see as I'm getting better because the first ones are slightly cloudy. The second ones are less cloudy. And you get to the last one, the last one is crystal clear. Really? You got the second last batch, which is very close to the, the last batch, but the last batch is really, really dark maple syrup. Did you find the process intimidating? Did, like, did you, did you have to learn as you went? I'm sure you Googled a lot. You're a good Googler. <laughs> good YouTuber. <laughs> uh, well, I, so I, I, I did, I YouTubed a lot over two years. The way right. my brain works, um, it doesn't, I have ADHD really bad, so right. I can't just look at something and go, I can do that. Right. I'll watch 500 videos on how to do maple syrup and then I'll forget about it for six months, and then I'll wake up one day and go, oh, I know how to do this. I just know how to do this for whatever reason, just because I watched all the videos, and my brain was able to stitch it all together when I went to sleep. Right. So I was able to, when I did it this year, I was a little bit intimidated, but it was actually pretty easy. It's boiling water. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. The hard part is, when do you you stop? Yeah. (laughs) Really, eh? Well, yeah, because the syrup has to be at exactly... A specific what's called a bricks count, which okay. is how much sugar's in it. Oh yeah, it needs to be between sixty-eight, sixty-six, and sixty-eight. Right, and that sixty-six to sixty-eight can go from sixty-six to sixty-eight right. in about three minutes of boiling. Right. So you have to figure out how to find it out. Right. And I was trying all these different methods on my first one, and I had to guess. Do, do you not just really check for thickness, or do you like totally nerd out on this? And like, is that the thing to do the temperature on it? I, I'm, I'm. I am the biggest nerd. Oh no, in the world. it's fan- it's a fantastic thing about you. You go for deep food? on this stuff. I oh, love it. I went and bought a, what's called a bricks meter. They okay. use it for making alcohol, but a bricks meter doesn't work the same way for alcohol as it does for heavy sugars. So you got to buy the right bricks meter. <laughs> and then I had to figure out how to get the bricks meter to work and what how it ran. And then once I figured it out, it was really easy. And it's it's like you're looking through a kaleidoscope kaleidoscope right. spyglass, right. and it tells you how much sugar is actually in the syrup. Really, eh? Yeah. So when it hits 66, it's like, turn it off, filter it, bottle it. And the first time I felt it, I felt it wrong, so it's cloudy. The second time, I do it a little bit better. The third time, it's like, wow, it looks fantastic. And the fourth time, is so crystal clear. But I nerd out about this. Yeah. Watching cooking you see times. your, your eyes right yeah. now. You're like, oh, let me tell you some more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, an, I'm a, such a super nerd when it comes to food. Yeah. I also started, like, if you, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook and stuff like that, you also see that I started dehydrating stuff. Yeah at home and right. I have a dehydration station and I actually have an active water meter at my house that I can crumble up the food, put it in the meter and it will tell me if it's safe to store on my shelf. And I can tell exactly how long it'll last on my shelf Jeez. by how much water is actually in it. Well, I was feeling bad about myself last week or so after watching one of your posts where you save all your vegetables and make vegetable stock, like all the leftovers like, Oh, I'm such a waster. That's new. <laughs> right. That's new. You're right. Like the pot you showed boiling was just full of all the scraps. Yeah, I've never, I've, uh, I never did that. Beth came to me one day and said, "I'm going to start saving our leftovers." I'm like, "What?" 
I thought she, thought she was insane, more insane than I usually do. <laughs> and she started freezing our, our extra, like, the tops and bottoms off our carrots and our celery. I'm like, this right. is not going to work. And then she made it. And I'm like, okay, that's really Wrong good. again. Oh, yeah. I was so <laughs> wrong. wrong. I was Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so wrong. But then the food geek in me takes over and goes, I can make this better for us right. by being able to can it properly. And mm. she's she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we need a pressure canner, which I have in the basement. Of I haven't used it do. for Yeah, of course I do, which I haven't used for a couple of years. So the next time we made it, we both made the stock, and then I pressure canned it. So now we have this awesome vegetable stock mm, mm, mm. that we can – it'll last for two years yep. downstairs no. in our basement. It's canned. It's safe. Yep. It's everything else. No. And it's totally sealed up. So I'm, then I started working on beans this week. <laughs> I haven't seen the bean stuff yet. What do you do with the beans now? I'm gonna. I quit. <laughs> yeah, beans are real. Beans are a real science, and everything I watch online. One of the unfortunate things about YouTube, especially with food, yeah. there's a lot of bad information. Out <laughs> and I'm watching it. Good editing makes it look easy. Oh no, it's even the even the editing's bad. But there's a lot of really bad information out there where it's just like, oh, the, you know, the proper procedure isn't this way because this is what they say could kill you. But I do it because I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, wait a minute, okay, it's food. On. Wait a second. The word "kill" was in there. Hold on a second. <laughs> this is why people die. Back in the 40s and 50s, because they were like, "Oh, I can just cook this; it's fine," and it wasn't fine. So I tried making beans uh, three times over the last week, and I just can't get them right. Really, eh? and I, so I did a lot. I went to there's a couple of university sites that I belong to, and I, I actually read up on. And those university sites, I read up on how to properly can beans, and both of them basically said there is no way to do it properly. Really, eh? You, you can do it, but it's going to be mushy. It's going to be gross. Yeah. It's cheaper just to buy canned beans sure. or buy dry beans and rehydrate them. Yeah. That's what we do at home. So we'll just rehydrate them. But that's... There you go. Yeah. I made mushroom powder this week. I made Jesus. apple chips. I'm making apple powder right now at home. Like tonight when I go home, I'm actually grinding apple peels down that I've dried out. <laughs> and then you use it to make tea. Or my my daughter made last weekend. This is insane. My daughter made... Um, <laughs> Pretzel bites, oh, right? And then she coated them in butter and dipped them in cinnamon sugar. Oh. And then she did it with maple sugar. We have maple sugar at home. Right. And she dipped her bagel bite in maple. It was so good. You're rise, raising a diabolical individual Oh, so my, my wife, I tell my wife about the apple uh, spice that I'm making. And she's like, could you imagine that with a cinnamon sugar? And I'm like, oh. And I told my, I look at my daughter last night. I'm like, hey, can we do this? And she's just like, oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> You would hate it when we have craft dinner dinners around here. Sometimes you're like, "What is this? So boring." We Wait, good. We haven't had a craft dinner in our house for years. My, do- <laughs> it only takes nine minutes to make ma- proper oh, yeah. macaroni and cheese. And my daughter and sure. my son, they're cheese freaks. They just there's no way they're yeah. going to allow me to have. And I love macaroni and cheese, but yeah. there's no way they're going to allow me to have it. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to happen, happen ever. But the good, the good point is because I taste this maple syrup, you know, and you can immediately taste it's real maple syrup. It's got that little hug and a kiss in there. Just tastes for, and so all the hard work, it's always worth it. Uh, always worth we, it. We, there is no chance we won't do it again next year. Yeah. I had, I really gave me something to do. There's really almost no time involved. It's, it's really tap the trees, have everything go into a bucket, wait till the tree bleeds. Yeah. Basically, that's what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it fills up the bucket, go out, put it on your stove. And let it cook, and let it cook till it gets down. You got it's about a forty to one ratio. So for forty liters of of sap, you get about one liter of maple syrup right. finished, roughly. Right. And it's all it is. You're just waiting. Yeah. So you turn on your stove, you walk away, and every hour you go back in, you add some more sap until you run out of sap, and then you just wait till it boils down. So it's it's really it's, it's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of most honestly, Chris. Most most cooking is hurry up and wait. Yeah. That's it, like people say, I don't have time to make bread. Like no, that. you have time to make bread. You just don't want to plan to make bread. Exactly. Like you make bread, it's it's literally five minutes of blending at the beginning. You said this to me before. Yeah. I'm skeptical on the bread thing, but oh, I, believe, really? I, I next, get what you mean. I get next what you week, mean. I'm going to bring you the next time we do this. I'm going to bring you a loaf <laughs> of bread. In the course of it, a, 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 a loaf of bread that I invented. Oh, really? And I'm sure other people have invented this right. type of loaf of bread. No, no real recipes new. Everything's you're just rehashing. Sure. Um, but I I learned how to cook a whole wheat bread with uh, grains in it. Oh. So if you like bread that you can chew on, yeah. and you can really chew on, there's <laughs> grains and sunflower seeds and farro and, and wheat, and it's really, it's fantastic. You see his eyes right now. <laughs> just, your eyes are going, whoa! I love food. Yeah. 
And it's awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear. But you know what? It's it's the combination of things because what is great, so this vodka that we're enjoying with this maple syrup just hint in there, I mean, that is just such a magnificent yeah. touch, right? It's it's brilliant. I've uh, distilled mm. spirits before, and a the ladies that run this distillery do a fantastic job with their alcohol. And I'm not sure how they do the maple sap, whether they put it in before they distill or after they distill or how they do it. But whatever they do, they do such a fantastic job. Like, kudos to them. It's right. so good. And once again, it's, it, and they don't know I'm doing this. They have no idea that we're right. doing this. I've never talked to them before. Um, it's Laneway Distilleries out of Toronto. They're, it's a fantastic small dis- distillery run by two women. Uh, Regan Soucy, I hope I'm saying that properly, and Jessica Chester uh, are uh, the brains behind this. And, uh, you know, I love people who, uh, A, experiment with things, but, B, have a passion for the experiment. And it strikes me that this distiller does because they're yeah. thinking of stuff like this. Yeah, and they have a few other really, dynamic. really uh, interesting flavor combinations that will work. In the LCBO, unfortunately, I don't think they carry everything they have. You'd have to go to the distillers, which we will. My wife and I will do this summer. We'll go there and visit and, right. and try and find what else they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the the spirit is fantastic. If you get a chance, you can buy it. I know you can buy it in the LCBO right. um, around Ontario. I don't know if they're anywhere else in Canada though right mm-hmm. now. Well, kudos to them because this is wonderful. Uh, I want to turn our attention to the big topic this evening. Yeah. Uh, this I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation because. Um, I think there's been a long line fascination about animals and our relationship with them and whether they have emotions and whether they feel. And this conversation is being extended right now because York University uh, has done a study that is sort of proving sentiency in octopus, crabs, lobster, and crayfish. So an argument has come up about empathy towards animals on this and that do we tell people that these animals are demonstrating, uh, you know, hospitality to others, family awareness, pain awareness. Right. Does that change whether you want to eat them or not, if I'm just blunt? And does that empathy change things? So I, I wonder where the world is coming down on this. I, I think it should change the way we deal with our, um, the way we slaughter animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I My business for years, one of my always, my biggest concerns was, making sure that we were able to buy animal products that were killed good. Right. Um, Yeah. Sanely. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Humanely. 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 We have to eat. Um, Frankly, it's, it's part of human nature. Uh, And I realize some people, you want to say you can be a vegetarian. I I could never be a whole vegetarian. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually trying to move, more towards the vegetarian lifestyle right. um, just because how expensive meat is and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. I do really feel bad about how many animals I've had to have slaughtered over the yeah. years. Um, but I look at the way we treat sea animals well, and it's, it's just, you know, I think, I think the discussion has already been had in society is comfortable with, with beef and pork and chicken because that's been a new one. They have faces. We see them all the time. You're either for it against it. You either choose to ignore it or do what you got to do. But I'm not sure that the seafood argument has ever really been had before because that's just that freaky thing that comes in a package. So I don't think a lot of people directly dealt with it. Well, and it's it, it's a real thing. York University has found that they, they can feel pain, anger, fear, and happiness. This is, this is not a new argument. This is actually no. a fairly old argument. So when you said, hey, let's talk about something like this. I went and actually read up on it, and I, I knew some of the stuff already, but there were things I didn't know. And one of the first things I searched up was, when do babies first feel pain? Right. I think it's before they're born. I think mm-hmm. they feel it inside the mother's womb. But up until the late 1980s, yeah. doctors did not believe newborn babies could feel pain at all. They would do open-heart surgery on them. They would do some pretty cruel things to them under the understanding that babies did not feel pain. Mm-hmm. We also felt that way about most animals. We didn't think animals had empathy. For yep. whatever reason, we just didn't look at the fact that when an animal had a broken leg, sometimes their partner would stand beside them for hours. Exactly. And it's only been in the last, four, let's say, 40 years, actually 30 years, where as a society, as humans, we've come to the realization that, wait a minute, you know, they've done studies on plant life. In plant life, they stuff screams... They know it causes problems. They, you know, the the fresh smell of cut grass that everybody loves is actually a uh, a fear Mm -hmm. chemical they put out because they're being killed. Exactly. Um, Trees put out spores when they're being harmed. 
Uh, mushrooms will help. And like mushrooms are really mycelium is incredible. Yeah. If you read up on mycelium and what it does for other plants and animals in the earth, it's incredible what yeah. it does. We don't know near enough about it, and it's just, if you ever get a chance, read up on Paul Stamets. But you look at octopuses. These animals are incredibly Problem intelligent. Solvers. Problem solvers. And read about the one that was out in the BC Museum that would take its lid off every night yeah. and go to the, I think it was, went and stole the coffee cup right. of its trainer every night yeah. for fun. Like, yeah. this is what it did for fun. Yeah. Well, there are currently experiments over in England right now where octopus are driving vehicles, right? They're, they're putting them in cages, and they're actually, with their tentacles, manipulating these things through an obstacle course. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty basic one, but, I mean, that is, like, that's next level. Like, there's no way that we would entertain a thought like this before, no. that they were that sentient, no. you know? And, and we're cruel to them. Yes. We're very cruel to them. I've always, you know, I don't eat crab. I don't eat crustaceans. I don't eat any of that stuff. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm not a huge fan of them because mm-hmm. they're basically, as far as I'm concerned, they're insects. I don't eat insects. Um, but when people say... You're like, going to hate the cricket future, buddy. Oh, I know. It's coming at you quickly. I've had cricket. Have you? Yeah, I have. It's woody. People can't... <laughs> woody. I was, I was going to say grassy, but that works too. Yeah. But, you know. Um, but you look at... You, the people are like, yeah, just throw your crab in live. It's okay. It doesn't feel it. No. It's ridiculous. I, I 100% call bullshit on that. Can't do that. Can't. How can you not do that? You know, why do they run from sharks? It's not because they're afraid of being, they're, yeah. well, yeah, they're afraid of being eaten. I'm pretty sure it's got to do with the pain. Well, and you look at thing. some crabs, we rip off their legs and throw them back in the water. Yeah, it's true. Here's here's the line for you. York University, this study found that animals avoid pain in dangerous situations to the best of their abilities in any given situation. That tells me they're going, holy shit, I'm in danger. Yeah. You know, a, a, a rock doesn't do that. And they don't have a nervous system like ours. And the yeah. problem is, is we're, there's a whole bunch of hubris here. Yeah. Right? Oh, of course. We're humans. Of we're course. better than everything. We're, and I watched a guy tonight going, we're top of the food chain. Yeah. We're only top yeah. of the food chain because we know how to manipulate tools. If we exactly. didn't have tools, tigers, yeah. you know, bears. Oh, by the way, there are certain places in this world we are not the yeah. top of the food we're chain. Not, the water go, is one of those yeah. areas we're not go, top of the food go, chain. Go stand on the side of a mountain in BC and yeah. talk to the grizzlies yeah. and see if you are. And if you think you are, go swimming down in South Africa. Right. Great exactly. white, great white wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting part of this conversation, though, is that over in the United Kingdom, they're actually starting this conversation on a government level. Now, it's just brilliant. a committee's idea right now, but because the thinking here is, we have to change the moral imperative in people's minds and somehow un- make them understand the sentiency. But how do you get over the food thing? Like, listen, I hate cruelty to animals. Love a burger. Right? right, just like you said. So that is a tight line to walk because nowadays, hypocrite will be yelled at you fast. Yeah. Right. So, but the government involved in this at a level is a very interesting take on this. I, and I don't know how they're. I don't actually know how they're going to come across this because I look at people as a whole, and I realize the vast majority of my meeting friends would just look at me and go, "What is wrong with yeah, you?" Yeah. Exactly. I honestly, I just have a lot of empathy for animals. I yeah. feel really bad for them. Yeah. Um, and as always, was always my thing is, are they being killed humanely? Are right. they putting, being put down humanely? I appreciate the fact that they've given up their life for me so right. I can eat. Right. But trust me, if a grizzly bear finds me in the woods, they're never going to yeah. put me down easily. Yeah. It's a terrifying thing that they yeah. do to you. And they're not doing it because they're afraid of you. They're doing it because they need to eat. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always have a problem when an animal kills a human and they're like, oh, we have to kill that animal. They're just yeah. eating. Yeah, exactly. I think the clever thing they're doing here is they're going to try to put it under animal welfare legislation. So this would essentially be the same things they're trying to govern zoos with. Now, we're seeing this in Canada, much bigger uh, uh, push to eliminate roadside zoos and things like this. But if you put it under animal welfare legislation, I wonder if that doesn't give people a pass because people hate an animal in a stress story. Yeah. So I wonder if this, this isn't the gateway into this for a couple people. Because yeah. a lot of people make the conscious decision not to eat seafood for various reasons. One of them may be you don't want to kill an animal. Yeah. Right? Well, and I, yeah, I have a lot of empathy for the animals that die for my food. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that their life was terminated to feed me. Yeah. It's also why I am so into my food and I use every single scrap I can of everything we make, whether it be vegetables, whether it be food we don't we try we desperately try not to throw anything out and i even tell my kids on a regular basis if we've made it you have to eat it you don't have to eat it if you don't like it but if you like it we have to finish it because something gave their life for you to eat and that would be a disservice to them to not 
finish it. Exactly. And I think w- this is where a lot of this grassroots uh, stuff comes from because um, I'm not sure that people are always aware of how that food is brought to them. And when they find out, they get uncomfortable. Oh, God, they're not at all. Right? So this I'm is not why honest I, with their children. We don't tell them. No. I remember my daughter. My <laughs> and it's mean, but it's funny. Uh, I remember being out at a farm with my daughter, and there was a class there, and there were, they had a big turkey, a huge, beautiful turkey there. And the teacher went to one of the kids, but do, do, does everybody know what that is? And they were like, turkey, and my daughter yells out, supper. <laughs> And it was, it was, I tried not to laugh, but it was funny. She was right. That's what it was there for. It was there for supper. But there's a lot of people I know that have no idea where their chicken comes from. And I see people argue, you know, just go to the grocery store and buy it. Why do you have to do this? That's where it comes from. It's true. It's true. And I I hate to admit this, but uh, when we were growing up on the farm, we had three pigs. One was named Easter. Another was named Thanksgiving. (laughs) Another was named Christmas. So you tend to get into a role when you're in those scenarios. And the funny thing is farmers are very much, the the vast majority of farmers I've ever met in my life care very much for their livestock. Very much. Yeah. Um, It really is for them. They don't want to see them get hurt. Uh, they want. There's always a veterinarian on call. Yeah. If something happens, they have somebody somebody there to come and give them antibiotics. Yeah. You know, you hear all these things like where our animals are antibiotic free. They're they're not. If your animal if your animal's sick, if there's a, a cow that's sick or a, a chicken that's sick, yeah. they're getting antibiotics. Yeah. It doesn't extend for the entire length of their lives. And if they're sick, they can't be sent to slaughter. But they can be given antibiotics, and as not as a not as something to to prevent it. They're given antibiotics to fix something. Exactly. We treat our animals pretty well, and there's some situations where they don't get treated well, but generally in Canada, we treat our animals incredibly well. And you know what? Honestly, I I say this wholeheartedly. If you want to have a real conversation about sustainability, go talk to a farmer, because like you said, the farmer farmer needs the 7-11, 15-year plan. Yep. That's part of what he's rotating his crops. He's rotating the plow. He's rotating which sort of crop he's got, what sort of animal he's got. Chickens take 16 weeks. Cows take 16 months. Pigs take a year. Exactly. Every one of these things in their planning, there's there's no, like when when the pandemic first struck, Mm -hmm. it was devastating to chicken farmers. Yeah. Because they had all these chickens they were expecting and they, now, and it killed them because they were, they were, were, we have to put down our chickens for no reason and we're just going to bury them. And they got paid for them, but that wasn't their problem. Exactly. Their problem is we're having to put down our animals, and we're burying them. Yeah. Well, how much milk got dumped this year, right? <laughs> Millions of liters of milk got dumped into a field this year because of a different reasons. But for for so many reasons, but and that's what we have to we have to have empathy for the animals, just because we the the way I look at it is like everything they're out of sight, out of mind. We don't know what they do underwater, yeah. so they must be dumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's not actually the point. That's not actually the case. You look at them; they live in they live in schools. You look at sharks; they're they live in schools. Look at killer whales. Mm, the pods will Brilliant. travel the world together. Brilliant Raise animals. Generations of families. They hunt. Yep. And they hunt clever, intelligently. Hunters. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's incredible what they do. But it's not just them; it's all of them do that. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. And how how for me, it's how dare we assume that we're so much smarter than them. Yeah. We just happen to have the posable. Exactly. Plan. It's true. And you know what? I think this is the, the, the greatest gift that the subsequent generations to us are bringing to us right now because kids think this. Young yeah. adults in their 20s think this. Emily's and the one that drove me to eat being more vegetarian. Right. So that's that's how the, that message of some empathy because we're not going to stop eating seafood. But you know what? Stop putting them through. Do it. You know, right? You, you got to do it proper. Yeah. You have to do it proper. Yeah. Uh, virtually, the reason I am, I'm never going to become 100% vegetarian. I, I'm, I'm, it's just, not, I love, it's like a burger too much. <laughs> I love a steak too much. I love a sausage too much. Oh, but instead it. of having it seven days a week, yep. instead of having it at two to three meals a day, I'm having meat maybe five times a week. Right. Which or is a huge difference in my lifestyle. Or go support a farmer. Get your meat from a farmer. Yeah, it's, would, it's yeah. a little more. It's you know, it takes some work, but you know what? Go stop the factory that way to some degree. Yeah, I mean, no, make your personal choice. I guess is yeah, what I mean. and it's something that Beth and I'll be looking into this year is a, a yeah. local farmer that we can buy stuff from. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's hard. They 
that you can't raise a lot and they're it's 18 months out for a cow. Right. No, that's exactly right. what it is. Exactly what it is. Is it good or bad that the more I drink this vodka, the less it burns? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? That's It's a great I'm just sipping away at it. I, I don't drink vodka a lot, but when I do, this is a really good vodka to sip. Well, this Laneway distil- distillers that put this together, uh, kudos on the, the flavors in it. Yeah. Are so like the the maple flavor it's just a hint, but it just seems to be enough to take the vodka burn off. Yeah. Right? That's, a, that's clever. It's very subtle, but yeah. it's not so subtle you can't taste it. There it is. Right? There it and is. And especially, after, it's, it's usually like when I tell you about the whiskey, it's not the first drink. The first drink is a waste. Yeah. The first it's sip of whiskey, it's, it's just burn. Wow. It's Kentucky hug. It's to get your, it's <laughs> get, to get your, it's, it's to get the taste buds numb. <laughs> right. Right? But you take this and the first, the very first sip you had tonight was, wow, it's really, it, this is what, this is what neutral spirits does. Right. It burns. And this doesn't. After the third or fourth sip, it's suddenly, oh, I can taste those other flavors. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's exactly it. I can, because it's, it's, it's not subtle anymore. It's, no. it's right there, and I'm starting to really pick it out. So It's a super, it's a super vodka. Right. I'm happy that we've, I've been the, the lady at the liquor store sold it to me. Really? Yeah, she comes up and she goes, uh, yeah, ex- oh, yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking for new spirits and stuff like that. Right. She goes, how about vodka? You never buy vodka. I'm like, well, vodka is a stupid drink. <laughs> And she's like, try this one. It's out of Toronto. I'm like, ah, all right. It's a Canadian company. It's local. I'll yeah. give it a try and see. And I bring it home and I open it up. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> I have a bottle of vodka that's four years old at home. It's never been, but we opened it and I end up using it for cooking. Yeah. Oh. Like for making yeah. for making our own uh, vanilla vanilla yeah. um, extract and making our own extracts. Making like my own vanilla extracts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. The other day, you're making your hot dogs. You're like, oh, man, he makes hot dogs, too. Oh, we're going to do that together, though. I have, uh, I have a I dozen friends that, want, that are like, Daryl, can you teach us how to make hot dogs? You're going to have to have, like, a Saturday afternoon of everyone in your kitchen. You know what? There's nothing, there's nothing, there's very few things more fun than having four or five people over. Oh, I agree. And grinding meat yeah. and shoving it. The, the, Fantastic. The innuendo that comes out. Oh, like, yeah. Even when, I had my, even when I had Buster Rhinos and we used to make sausages in the back room, it didn't matter who was back there making it. The innuendos that were coming out, it was just like, wow. <laughs> you guys can't say that. Like you have to stop. And I'd walk out of the room and you'd hear them laughing. And it was just, it was just, it's incredibly funny because you're like you're stuffing sausages. Look how big that sausage is. But then you get to taste it, and that's the best part. Like you make it and then you taste it and you're like, oh, that's what it's supposed to yeah. taste like. Yeah. A hot dog that I've been buying for years. Right. You know that's what it's supposed. To, and but we're gonna make the bacon process, this summer. Yeah. The process. You're gonna make bacon too. Holy oh, bacon's God. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having a real food theme on the show tonight because uh, the next top we're getting into is about food too. Yeah, I, I man, I love obviously. Well, obviously, we're you we're can't both see me, but I love here. food. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a study out of the University of Michigan uh, that talks about why uh, the last thing on the plate taste the best <laughs> is this true a, i think it's chocolate is, that tastes the best well this they, what they did is they used chocolate here yes. for this example but i'm not sure it doesn't extend to other wonderful things that you love it does not okay no you have a theory on this and it actually does not. when you so, told me i went you know what this is pretty good chocolate the best chocolate you can have yeah. is inside your mouth right. <laughs> whether it be the first one or that's the true. last one yeah. it's the one that's in your mouth it's the yeah. same as bourbon or whiskey the best bourbon you've ever had is the one that's in your hand Right now. Right. But that's not the way it works with all food. (laughs) You never sat there and ate and you went, oh my God, that's such a good bite. And I think this piece is going to be the best piece and set it aside for the very end. Or I slow down the cut. And then you take a bite and it's like, oh, that was horrible. And it's the very last bite. And it usually happens with vegetables or something like that where you're like, oh, this is really good. Or this piece is really good. And then you take a bite. It's like, that was horrible. And that was the last bite. And you saved it. Right. I don't go by that, that the last one you eat is the best. Because I have too many meals I've had where I'm not going to... I'm going to save that piece. And then you take a bite and it's like, well, that was mediocre. So maybe it's a defense mechanism because you don't want to go. Admit that's the last one. I don't want to feel bad this about it. It's fantastic. I have one more. Never works that way with chocolate. No, I have no more. Either. I have no more. And I'm like, that was the best chocolate I ever had. That, that's what the psychologist University of Michigan found. They talked to 52 students about chocolate. First of all, there's the flaw in your, yeah. your, your data right there. Um, they thought uh, that the people seem to think that the final chocolate or whatever it was, uh, became more of a positivity effect on the end of the experience. So isn't that a very youthful thing to say? Like, I'm in from bite one. Yeah. Right? I just feel sad. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I'm like, how come I don't have another? <laughs> how, come, how come there's not another there? There's a lot of I baggage just, with the last one, isn't there? There's a reason I'm way too out of shape. Yeah. It's not because I take care of myself. It's because I look at that piece of chocolate <laughs> and go, 
I know there's another one in the cupboard. <laughs> you have last one initis. Oh yeah. You just can't leave it there. So I so we have this and I've said it a couple times on the show and I, I'm saying it all the time at home now. Out of sight, out of mind oh, to yeah. my wife. Because <laughs> we buy stuff all the time and I'll just hand it to her and I'll say, put it in your office because I never go in yeah. her office. And I don't go in her office because I just don't I have no reason to go in her office. So right. she'll she'll have candy in there for right. months and I won't even know. Stashed. Out of sight, out of mind. There you go. It's so the he buys these it. things called stump stump waffles or stoop waffles or something like that. Yeah. They're like a German treat, and it's basically a waffle cone that's been it's flat, right? But caramel in between the two oh, layers. Oh, that sounds unfortunate. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm <laughs> no. like, you need to put these in your office. <laughs> Why? Because they're gonna go away. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm warning you now. This, these are going to go away, and you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, I only got two, and I'm going to be like, I got 74. <laughs> and I'm not even going to feel bad about it, and I should. Yeah. But if I don't eat it, my daughter or my son will eat it. This is my family. Right. It's it's like a constant battle of, where'd this go? Well, yeah. I had it, so you couldn't. <laughs> uh, I have a 20-year-old uh, son in this house. Uh, it just Don't leave things lying around. Uh, Food-wise, they're gone, man. If you don't get something at the beginning, forget about it. Yeah, and this I look at my wife almost on a daily basis. She complains about it. I really? look at Beth and go, you sh- you know, 20 years of being married, 15 years of having kids, and you don't realize that you have to either put it away or eat it. Yeah. I don't even feel bad for you anymore. <laughs> well, I said to my son, I said, listen, have some class and just don't eat the last one, right? Yeah. Like, you don't eat it. So now I got everything like one in and like, that's even worse. Yeah, because <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I'm going to have this. And you go in, you're <laughs> like, One. one. One? What am I supposed to do with one? You should have just eaten that. And then he looks at you and goes, well, you told me not to. Oh, I hate those smart gun. <laughs> Fine, do what I say. Yeah. When did that ever start working? But we, we, and this is my always my thing with my kids. Like, I know you're going to eat it. Just tell me when you do. Yeah. Don't lie to me. Yeah. And I, there's a whole lot of times in my house where it's, there's nothing left. I'm like, who ate it? And everybody's like, not me. I'm like, well, I must come down in the middle of the night and ate it then because I didn't have any of it. Yeah. And the one that kills me at my house okay. is fluff. Oh, marshmallow fluff. Are you kidding me? So, marshmallow fluff is one of the only. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best, man. Just a spoonful of it. Have you ever had that with a peanut butter and banana sandwich? Yes, a fluffernutter. Oh, yeah. Fluffernutter, exactly. So, man, oh, man. So, I buy this stuff and my wife eats it and she's like, this is incredible. And she, we were younger. I don't even think she had ever had it before. But now, when I buy it, I have to hide it. It is the only dessert we buy. It is the only sweet we buy that I don't want a lot of. Really? I can do one teaspoon once a week. It's a pretty overwhelming thing. You could get away with a teaspoon at a time. Yeah, and and I'm fine with that. But if I don't hide it, my kids and my wife, I'll put it in our cupboard, and I'll go back two days later to get it, and it's all gone. Where'd the fluff go? I don't know. No one, what? Nobody. Yeah. I don't know. It's all. I didn't get no a try. It. And they didn't even believe me. They're like, "No, you tried it." No, I didn't. I didn't get a single scoop of it. Come on. I love fluff. Fluff or nut or peanut butter sandwiches. My that was one thing my Come mom on. got me into when I was a kid, and my grandma got me into them. Oh yeah, brilliant. Such a good thing. God bless the man who came up with fluffers. I mean, come on now. That is the, I mean, who goes, you know what we need? Some marshmallow spread. I'm going to kill you right now. You want to try something really good? Huh. Homemade marshmallows. <laughs> I'm just going to walk out of here. Don't, did you, you made homemade marshmallows. Homemade marshmallows with maple syrup are even <laughs> better. Honestly, you can, make, you, can make maple syrup, you can make maple syrup into homemade yeah. marshmallows. Right. And they are stunning. Really? Yeah. They're wow. really good. You can also take maple syrup and make Tootsie Rolls out of it. Really? Maple yeah. syrup Tootsie I have Rolls. Done that. Stop it now. And it's that's one of my favorite. And you know, you're going to hear me say this a lot. That's one of my favorite things. Apparently, my favorite things are everything that contains sugar yeah. and fat yeah. and meat. Yeah, exactly. But one of my favorite Welcome things, <laughs> one of my favorite things is a Tootsie Roll. And really? uh, yeah, I made, I made them, uh, I guess, about 10 years ago. They're a little bit, they're not hard to make, but they're a little bit time consuming. And I made them about 10 years ago. I got into this real, I made, started making homemade caramel sauce. I said, and I really got. I've made caramel sauce before. Yeah, it, have you ever made it in um, in the cans? No. So you get sweetened condensed milk. Well, I use sweetened condensed milk in it. Right, but you just take a can of sweetened condensed milk yeah. and put it in a pot and fill it the pot up with water so it covers the top of the can. Right. And turn it on and make sure it stays covered for three hours. Right. And then turn it off and take the can out of the pot. And so let you it haven't done anything to the can. The can is open, unopened. Unopened. Okay. And you put it on your counter and wait till it cools down. Open it up and you have a whole can of Dolce Flesh. No way. Oh, that's so good. I've never heard of such a thing. We have it in our cupboard at home all the time. Of course you do. Come over to my house. Of course you do. 
I don't know where I'd start. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, and there's a pile of wonderful homemade food, and here's another pile. Well, see, the problem is I love sharing. Yeah. So I know where to start. It's not a problem. Have you tried this? <laughs> Have you tried this? You should try these apples we dried out this week. They're phenomenal. Like, we're going to go through them in a day, and I'm totally... Try this apple dipped in this maple syrup. It's an important lesson to learn in life to surround yourself with good people. Yes. <laughs> and one of them is someone who can have that conversation. Somebody knows how to cook. <laughs> it's always a good thing. Hey, have you ever, uh, by the way, uh, kudos once again uh, to Laneway Distillers. I'm enjoying this vodka. I see. Is yours done? You're not quite done. No. I'm, I'm no. Lagging behind and usually, you. like I said to you at the beginning of the show, before we started signing on, this is going to be the one thing, like I usually finish the whiskey 10 minutes in. Yeah. Um, and this is the one thing you're not going to yeah. see me because I'm just not, I'm not a vodka person. Yeah. And I wouldn't um, have put down as a sipper. So that's, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's worked out. It's a way. very nice sipper. It's a great, it's, it's, it's something to have in your house because it's not something you're going to drink all the time. And you're definitely, you could mix this, yeah. but you're not going to. Right. You're going to save this for when your friends come exactly. over here to try this. Exactly. So I thought I'd, uh, I'd delve into our middle-aged brains for a moment uh, and uh, talk about this uh, psychological term and <laughs> give me some amusement this week. Um, it's called the doorway effect. Yes. Uh, now, this the doorway effect essentially is, um, okay, so I'll give you an example. Also, you, uh, you realize you need a pair of scissors, so you run downstairs, you walk into the kitchen, you totally forget the reason you went downstairs. What's with the sudden memory loss? They say, the scientists know, it's the door. The act of going through a door, this little salad we've got up here on our shoulders, seems to trip the trigger in there. They I call it the doorway effect. I believe that. Really? I get it from ADHD, and it's terrifying with ADHD. Like, I can, mm. I can get out of bed and go, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, but I, like, being in the restaurant industry, it's amazing how many people walk from the kitchen into a walk-in and come back out and go, what was I getting again? Mm. And it's instantaneous memory loss mm -hmm. and they can't remember what they're getting see but traditionally that would have been chalked up to overwhelming information stress uh, to, to, everything exactly. else but th to, to say that there might be an actual physical manifestation that your brain is tricking going through a doorway we're so used to that as a gateway to something i completely that believe it configures itself yeah and it makes sense to me like you're in a different room you have different visuals around you you have different everything and that's even when I, I looked up into it a bit, and it's and that's what they're saying is you know it may be a case of the fact you're in a different you're in one room and you have to do this and you move to a different room and your brain in your mind moves to that next room, and suddenly you forget what you were doing in the last room. And the, the studies they've done on this has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they a lot of it was done through how much did you read up on this? I, so I think it seems you may have more on me, so but they, I know a little they, bit about they this. They started this with computer simulations. Yes, they did. Right. Yep. And then they actually did it with shoe boxes. Right. And they found the people with shoeboxes made exactly the same errors really? as people that were on computer simulations. What? Because the computer simulations, you can go, eh, yeah. it's a computer, who knows. Yeah. But now they have, they actually have a shoebox. They go pick up their stuff, and they carry it. They can't see what's in the shoebox, out of sight, out of mind. And they walk to another room, and they completely forget what they were supposed to do. Right. So now they've been able to actually get this to work in both scenarios. Right. Which, wow, imagine it. The proof, right? It's right. the proof. The proof is in the yep. pudding of having more than one scenario exactly. of why this is working. And it's turning out that it's working exactly the same way in real life as it does while you're on a computer and you're just having to remember wow. things. That's incredible. Because the statement is so experts say that your visual perspective changes when you walk through a doorway and it takes time to recalibrate your thinking. So it's basically a little brain blip that yeah. you go through. Right, so the computer's always running, and that, that's cool that there would be the same results. Yeah, and that's what was real. I think that's what surprised them. Now, let's give a shout out to the guys and the girls that actually came up with this yes. thought process. Yes, that's a good one. Where do you have to be in your life to go? I wonder what causes this, yeah. and then to take that and actually be able to get the funding and everything else to go and try and prove this. This can have major yeah. medical ramifications going forward. Well, it teaches us how our mind works. Let, let's just go. Uh, let's go macro on this. Think about a hospital scenario. Yeah. Right. Where I mean, think of the information they're being inundated with all the time. If they find that eliminating doorways, making more passages, allows for the more free flowing of information. In Never even thought of that. Yeah. You know, right. In a situation where you got to be on it constantly diagnosing, that's a game changer. I never even thought of it that way, but absolutely. Right. Yeah. Don't have. Don't have to worry about going in and out. You, you, the memory flow keeps going the same. Right. You're, you're going to stay tasked because the way this is saying is that we don't know it, but our tasks are shifting when we see the doorway. Yeah. Right? So That's my excuse. So you you you, you had a food factory, basically. Yeah. Right? Imagine from front of house to back house. It's like you were saying, the, the scenario there. It's staggering. It, 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 was always the, it was always the wait staff that killed me. Yeah. 
a good waitress or waiter or somebody that was a wait staff, their memory is incredible. And I had mm, I had young ladies, true. mostly young ladies that could go to a table, no pen, no paper, 12 people, take the entire order and not get anything wrong. Yeah, it's amazing. Anything. And then I'd have cooks in the back who would look away from a dish and have to look at the bill again because they <laughs> forgot what they were cooking. And clearly, I'm not making fun of them. I was one of those guys. I would look at an invoice. I'd look at a bill that shit came out, and I'd be like, oh, I got to make this, 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 this. I'd turn around and go, what was I doing again? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to make this, this. Just by turning my body around, yeah. I would forget. Yeah. When I was in college, I worked at a, at a uh, chain restaurant, Eastside Mario's in Belleville. Put right. them all there. Uh, and uh, I remember one day, and, and I cooked. I, I, I cooked from the time I was 17 until about 25 and I went back to school. Um, so I can remember very clearly one time there were short staff, and I was making it, oh, anyone can be a wait staff. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and I did it for a shift, and it blew my mind because yeah. th- it's a totally different mindset because yeah. you're right. I mean, you're so, you're, you're, sequ- you're, you got to be so sequential in a kitchen, right? Yeah. In the front wait staff, you got to be sequential. But oh, by the way, there's also chaos all around you yeah. from the customers. It's remarkable. Yeah, and their memories were fantastic. And they, Incredible. you know, some of them were some of the young ladies I had working for me were brilliant, and you could see them just they were they killed life. Like mm-hmm. they were so they just killed life. Um, and the kitchen staff, some of them were just really good at what they did in the kitchen. They knew about food. They knew what they had to do. They knew how to cook it. But you put them in the front of the house. What did you want on your burger? Yeah. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Can you say that again, please? Yeah. It, I was one of them. Yeah. You know, I was I was a good I was a good waiter because I have the personality to not get people mad at me when I make a mistake. Right. Um. But I, if I went to a restaurant, I, I couldn't be a waiter. Right. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I don't have the I don't have the mental capabilities for it. But it, it really shows you the intricacies of putting a business together, right? Because you need all those elements. You need that weight staff. You need that kitchen staff. You need that dishwashing staff. You need your bus staff or whatever the scenario is. If you're in construction, you need the laborers. You need yep. the equipment operators. That whole thing, it, 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 that's the thing about owning a business and being in charge of that. That's I always One of the things I always said, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I always felt it was very true, is there's basically three different levels of stress in your life. And every person deals with each stress differently. Sure. I would have people tell me, I, there's no way I could be a restaurant owner or a business owner. I look at what you go through and the stress would kill me. The stress of owning a restaurant never bothered, or the food service company or the computer company, none of that ever bothered me. Standing on a line in the same, I have so much admiration for somebody that can work in GM. I, I, I mentally and yep. physically cannot do that job. It's true. The stress of it I agree. drove me to drink. Yeah. And very heavily. Like I, I did, I did it for eleven years at Woodbridge Foam. So there's that level of stress, but then there's that level of stress of managers. They can't work on a line because they can't do that, and they can't own a business, but they can manage, mm-hmm. and it's a different type of stress. As an owner, I could never do that job. The stress of being that manager would kill me. Yeah. Right. So I, I've always said that I always felt that there's three different levels of stress. And it didn't matter one. You were in one of them, and you were good at one of those. You'd be good at one of those things. Right. Didn't mean you were smarter. Didn't mean you were you're that less your, intelligent. You're this was your that. this is your thing. I can handle that stress. That's yeah. the stress I'm going to live with. Yeah. I, like even to this day, Beth and I have conversations about what am I going to do. Right. Right. It's been years I've owned my own business. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Yeah. And we both know the chances of me working for somebody else are pretty slim. <laughs> Because I can't be that line worker. Yeah. I can't. I can't. And yeah. she knows it. Like she's basically said, you can't apply for yeah. a job at GM or something. Because yeah. within two years, you'd be you'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah, I would be. I, I would, can't be that. I, I, I yeah. can't be. I can't do that. Exactly. Um, and I have all the admiration. I can't do that job. I just have so much admiration for them. Right. Um, and a manager, I can't do because then I'm taking I'm taking the abuse from above, and I'm taking the abuse from below. Right. And that's a special personality to, to get, you know, to get punched from both sides yeah, all the time true. and still be like, come in, go, let's go, guys. <laughs> they do it yeah so it's a tough one right and then each one of those you talking about the back the the doorway experience and everybody has that and now how do you deal with it so that's your job this is yeah this is the stress thing this is the whole stress thing the whole for me it's a i look at it and go these are the three different levels of stress and i'm probably wrong (laughs) sure comment on it if you think i am please tell me i'm wrong please um but this is what i see it's three levels of stress yeah i like it you can hit one of those levels, like then good for you. Find that job, and you don't have to. I, I gotta send you a video. I saw a video uh, about a week and a half ago of someone talking about don't f- 
find a job that you're passionate in. Find a job that you're good at. Yes. And if you're good at a job, eventually you'll become passionate because yes. you'll make money. If you want to be have something passionate, get a hobby. Yeah. Honestly, have the, have your passions on your off time. Yeah. Because the job is about doing the job. And like you just said, if you do your job well enough and commit to it, it'll yeah. feel like a passion. He's like, how many people do you know at 18 years old are like, I'm going to be the best tax lawyer ever? Yeah. And they're no. tax auditor or tax no. accountant. And they don't. They don't. But then 40 years down the road, they're in their personal jet. And people are like, well, you must have really. No, it's because I worked at it. I, then I got a passion because That's it was exactly ma- what it now is. I'm making money at the job. Now yeah. I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Passion is Latin for working hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just the truth. It's interesting. It was a really interesting. I sent it to a whole bunch of friends. And I, sorry, I completely forgot to send it to you, but it was a brilliant. Thanks, eh? Yeah. No. <laughs> I did post it on my uh, Twitter. You made up for it with maple syrup. That's yeah, well posted it on my Twitter. You don't pay attention to my oh, Twitter? Darn it. That turned on me faster. Yes. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, you know, uh, this has been a great conversation yeah. again, buddy. Always. Right? And kudos once again to Laneway Distillers. This yeah, they do. a wonderful experience with this tonight. Such a fabulous job. And oh, I'm hoping they hear this. Um, it's not like we're looking for anything. I did this because it's, it's a Canadian company. Um, it's a female-run company, and they've done a fantastic really job have. at this. They they funded it themselves. They did everything, and there's a whole uh, there's a disturbance right now in the brewing industry and the distilling industry about how women are treated in that industry. Yeah. It's very much an old bros club, and it just shouldn't be. And they have to stop. They have to start accepting yes. women into it. They're very good at what they I do. Agree. They have great imaginations. Kudos. They're great at what they do. So love it, love it, love it. Anyway, good job. Cheers to our friend Ben Thompson providing the music yes, for the thanks, show. Ben. Thanks, buddy. He's got some new music up in his uh, YouTube page. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I started following him on Facebook. Man, the guy's so talented. Uh, socials. We yeah. got socials. So don't forget to visit our social media. Uh, you can find us at uh, Studio 6201 on Facebook, and you can find us at Studio underscore 6201 on Twitter and Instagram. If you don't mind doing us a favor, like it and share it, and uh, hit subscribe if you want to get more updates on when their new ones are coming out. Um, it helps us a lot. Yes, it does. Great conversation again, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. Always. Cheers.